Hello and welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. Today, we're investigating some mysterious ruins at the top of a mountain in the middle of Phoenix. Let me tell you, this one is a ride. A few people have asked us about the remnants of a building on top of Shaw Butte, including Linda. Linda, Linda Lowe. I live in Glendale. You know, when you hike Shaw Butte Mountain over on the 19th Avenue side, like 19th Avenue and Cactus, um, there's a hill that has the remains of a foundation of a building. And um, the first time I ever saw it, my husband took me, we were dating, back when we were dating, he took me hiking and we saw this and we wondered what it was. Eventually, um, over the years, found out that this used to be a restaurant called Cloud Nine. Legend has it, it was a restaurant, a very elite restaurant in the 60s that um, they would have to truck people up to the mountain because cars, there was nowhere, there weren't any place for cars to park up there. And one night a fire started in the restaurant and um, the fire trucks couldn't get up there to, with water. And there was not enough water up there, you know, at the top of the mountain anyway, to put the fire out and it burned to the ground, just leaving this foundation. I've always been fascinated with that story and wanted to know more. Now that sounds like the stuff of legends, a restaurant in the clouds that mysteriously burned down. When, how, why, who built it? What caused the fire? It inspires so many questions. Even though I've lived in Phoenix for 27 years, I've never hiked Shaw Butte and never heard of these ruins. So obviously I had to start there. On a Thursday morning in April, I filled my camelback, put on some sunscreen, and drove to a trailhead on Central Avenue just south of Thunderbird Road. I parked in a small lot, gathered my recording equipment, and started my hike. I'm here at the Shaw Butte Trailhead. It's a beautiful morning, it's kind of windy. And the birds are chirping, I can hear bees buzzing, and I can't wait to get started. Starting right at the parking lot, I can see this trail is all uphill. I'm gonna get my workout in today. At the trailhead, I asked other hikers if they could point me to Cloud Nine. I used to hike in from the other side up to it all the time. Yeah, it's, it's Cloud Nine, I think they called it, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, which ruins are you talking about? They're, what are you talking about? Okay, Indian ruins. Yeah, they're Indian ruins and there's a astronomical observatory right on top of this hill. Even people who hike Shaw Butte regularly didn't know about Cloud Nine's history. So this first part of the hike is just all uphill, but I made it up and it's already getting really beautiful. And there's this little fork and I see to the left, there's kind of a little hill with a lot of really black rocks on it. So I think those are some of the Native American ruins. There's a sign that says archeological site. There are centuries old Hohokam petroglyphs on some of the rocks. And some people believe the Hohokam used this area to track the seasons. After a quick visit, I kept on the trail. Hello. Hi. It's a cute dog. After almost an hour of hiking, I saw something I knew had to be man-made. 
I turned a corner and all of a sudden I can see it. I can see this stone wall. I'm so close, I'm excited. There's remnants of a paved road. I'm gonna go up that first. I walked up the remnants of the asphalt road and all of a sudden there was a staircase down. It's a concrete staircase and you go down and to your left, it looks like maybe a kitchen. There's definitely some pipes, but I don't know if that was a stove or a sink or what. And then you go down a little further and there's this huge concrete pad that has this, you know, like almost like 180 degree view of the entire valley. You can see on the left, there's the rest of the mountain range. You can see as you keep looking to the right, downtown Phoenix, all the way over to the football stadium in Glendale and even further north. It is really beautiful. So who built a building up there and how? What was it like in its heyday and what led to its demise? Like any good investigator, I dug into the archives of Arizona newspapers from that time. I searched dozens of combinations of keywords and date ranges. Cloud numeral 9 and 1960. Cloud and the word 9. Shaw Butte from 1955 to 1965. I found a June 1959 column from acclaimed Arizona Republic writer Don Dadera all about the Barker family. They would have a crucial role in Cloud 9. It was about Dick and Barbara Barker and their three sons, all 12 and under, who lived in the highest home in the valley on Shaw Butte. Mrs. Barbara Barker told Don, quote, Oh, it's grand living so high, but it has its drawbacks too. For one, water had to be hauled up to the house. Don described Dick Barker as, quote, a lanky man whose talents include inventing electronic devices and home building. He wrote that Mr. Barker had had bone marrow cancer three years prior and was told he would die. Instead, Mr. Barker bought 40 acres on Shaw Butte and started building. Quote, Barker has given his mechanical genius full reign, Don wrote. Quote, there is a fireplace which exhausts its smoke downward, a snug bomb shelter, an intercommunication system. You enter the home downstairs from the roof. To partition bedrooms and kitchen, Barker has used plywood campaign signs. The column mentions that the family began charging visitors $1 for sightseeing and picnicking privileges, and they were considering opening the home as a restaurant. So to answer the question of who started Cloud9, it was the Barker family. As part of my investigation, I also reached out to someone else who had researched and written about the Barkers and Cloud9 many times. I am Douglas Town, a retired state hydrologist after 30 years, and I'm currently a freelance writer for Phoenix Magazine, the Arizona Republic, and I'm editor of a bi-monthly magazine called Arizona Contractor and Community Magazine. Douglas visited me at the Arizona Republic office to tell me what he knows about Cloud9. He's talked with some of the Barker's children who were young kids during Cloud9's heyday, One of the Barker's sons actually called me from a block number to say Douglas knew everything and could speak for him because he didn't want to be named. This isn't the kind of story that merits anonymous sources, so I didn't talk to him beyond that. 
Richard Barker, his father, was quite the mechanical genius. He could fix anything, and he used a motorcycle to go up and down the mountain and liberal amounts of dynamite and actually built two roads to and from the Cloud Nine. And then they decided to turn it into a money-making proposition. They opened up the Cloud Nine dining room in 1961. It's a very uh, high-class establishment, uh, uh, lobsters, steaks, etc. Many of the city's noted politicians and business people went there for supper. But getting to the restaurant was probably more exciting than anything you would ever find on your plate there. Patrons would drive down 15th Avenue to where it dead ends at the Mountain Preserve, and there would be a call box there. They would press the button, and uh, either Richard Barker or one of his sons would drive down in either, uh, usually a station wagon, pick you up, and then drive you back. And there's uh, all sorts of tales of people just uh, being sh visibly shaken when they got out at the restaurant from the drive up. In our archives, I found another column from Don Dadera, this one from January 1961. Don wrote, quote, Misfortune dogged the opening of the Cloud Nine restaurant. Because of misunderstood orders, the food, dishes, and customers arrived in the same hour, dinner was delayed, and just when order was restored, the water system broke. Making it all the worthwhile, the sweeping view of the valley's lights from Buckeye to Tempe. So diners arriving at the Cloud Nine would uh, exit the station wagon at a parking area just below the summit of Shaw Butte. There they would walk to a set of steps that descended into a semi-circular building, not very large, that overlooked the city of Phoenix. Uh, the vistas were amazing because uh, at one point Richard Barker had uh, fixed pinball machines for a living, so he had a lot of those very large glass cases from those, and those were repurposed uh, for the windows of Cloud Nine. Those stairs I found on my hike? They were the same ones that led visitors into the restaurant. There was eight or ten tables up there. Often diners would spot uh, rattlesnakes nearby, and uh, Richard Barker would have to go out with a long stick grab the rattlesnakes and fling them down the mountainside uh, to the delight of the diners. That was some unexpected entertainment for them. I do believe that after the first year, the restaurant was so successful that they built a little dance floor on the second floor. I found many archival classified ads about Cloud9 advertising the restaurant's hours as 6 p.m. to midnight, Tuesday through Saturday, Sunday 4 to 10. My favorite ad had this little rhyme. Cloud Nine's high on a hill on 15th Ave. Fine food and view are what we have. Douglas said there was one of those tiny trains kids ride at shopping centers outside of Cloud Nine, as well as a powerful telescope visitors could use to look across the valley. There were rumors that Cloud Nine hosted illegal gambling, but no one can confirm that. That was the restaurant for three years. It flourished, uh, people loved it. The area was a hot spot. I found a Republic article from December 1963 saying two other men planned to build an aerial tramway to the top of Shaw Butte and later build a hotel on the Butte with at least a hundred rooms. But a few months later, another article said that those grandiose plans were delayed. 
And then, Douglas said, a mysterious fire in 1964 burned down the restaurant. And this fire would add another element of mystery to the restaurant's history. No cause was given. Richard Barker's son told me that there had been some vandalism up there. Usually there was a caretaker when the restaurant was not in operation, but uh, I believe the caretaker was gone when the fire occurred. So he thinks it was probably maybe some kids playing around, but really no one knows for sure. I couldn't find anything in the archives about a fire. I think the restaurant might have been closed before it happened because one article I found from September 1964 described Cloud Nine as, quote, sickly green, and quoted a man saying, we don't like to look up there at the decrepit shell of the former Cloud Nine club. But I couldn't find when the restaurant closed or if it had sat vacant or why. In fact, after the fire, the only reference I could find to the restaurant was a 1965 article saying that the steep road to the former Cloud Nine was a popular and dangerous place for teens to ride their bikes. I found it odd that there was a lot written about the Barker family's house and Cloud Nine during its prime, but not during its demise. Why wasn't there coverage of the restaurant's closure or the fire? Or maybe there was, but I just couldn't find it. The only newspaper reference I could find to a fire came decades later from Republic columnist Clay Thompson. In 2001, he interviewed Jeff Spellman, a Phoenix Parks ranger at the time, who said Cloud Nine burned down November 8, 1964. But I wondered, how did Jeff know that? So now, 18 years later, I called him to ask. I was talking to one of our um, landscape architects who, at that time when I was doing that, was already retired from the city. And, um, and, and that guy's name is Del Sepinen, and he was a landscape architect at the city of Phoenix. And one of his main jobs, him and one other guy, were responsible for assembling all of the parcels of the mountain preserve around the city. That was what they did. In 2001, Jeff called Dell and asked what he knew about Cloud Nine. Dell was an adult when the restaurant was built, and he lived at the base of Shaw Butte, so he would know. And he says, I was, uh, I was sitting in my backyard the uh, night that, that uh, restaurant burned down. I went over to his house. He got his journals out of his attic, and he pulled it out, and that's how we came up with that date. He goes, here's my journal entry. This is what I saw happening that night when he described uh, seeing the, the restaurant uh, up in flames, and then seeing headlights kind of working their way down the mountain, which sort of explains the thing, the, the whole idea, and at least the supposition that uh, there was something fishy about uh, the, the fire, whether it was arson or what. Um, you know, there, there's certainly somebody was leaving that site, according to Dell. You know, right after that fire started. Dell is in his 90s now and told me he didn't want to talk to me for this episode. But his journal entry, as he told Jeff, is the best confirmation I could get of a fire. So there you have it. Cloud Nine burned down November 8th, 1964. I couldn't find anything more about the Barker family. According to public records, Richard Barker died in 1998 and Barbara died in 2007. Douglas said after the fire, they just moved on but they never reopened it. Uh, I guess Richard Barker had some 
financial issues and uh, he had a very short attention span so uh, his son told me that he went on to other endeavors and just never went back to the cloud nine. So in the end, I still don't have a lot of answers. There's still a lot of mystery. Here's what I can say. The restaurant burned down November 8, 1964, around the time the city began buying land to make sure there couldn't be another Cloud 9. You see, in the 1960s, the city of Phoenix started buying pieces of land on the mountains to preserve them. In 1972, the city banned any future construction on the mountains. Dell, who witnessed the fire from his own home, worked really hard to preserve the mountains. In a 1981 article, Dell said, quote, People started thinking when developers began encroaching on and destroying the beauty of the mountain. There has been blood, sweat, and tears poured over this project to whittle away at the land we needed. Thanks in part to him, we can still enjoy that beauty today. Now, Cloud9's remnants are on city preserve land. It's a popular hiking destination, probably in part because of the mythology, and in part because, for exercise lovers, it's a strenuous workout with a rewarding view. Hello, I'm Teresa Porter. I'm the owner of Serene Studio and Serene Yoga. In 2009, Teresa had the idea to do outdoor yoga retreats. A friend recommended she check out the Cloud9 ruins. And we hiked up there and I saw this concrete slab. It was like almost 2,000 square feet. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect spot to do yoga. And it has a great hike. It's not like just walking on a trail. Just get this really good panoramic view of the whole valley with mountains and the city combination. It's really cool. You see the traffic, you see what's going on, but you kind of feel you're up away from the busyness of life is what I say. The retreats are such a hit that she's been doing them almost every month for 10 years. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people, when I tell them the history behind it, they're like, whoa, that's interesting, you know, there's a story behind it. I think that's another reason why I love going to that spot too, because there's history behind it. It's kind of a mystery too. When I picked this question, I thought it would be a straightforward answer. I did not expect to be going through archives for hours or trying to negotiate with someone to go on the record. The mystery was interesting, but something else also surprised me. In my reporting, I interviewed a park ranger named James Livingston who patrols the Shaw Butte area, including the original road to Cloud Nine. The road that Richard Barker cut into the mountain was already steep at the time, but it's worn down even more, and now when it rains, the water pushes rocks and boulders down that steep road into the neighborhood below. James told me that the making and using of that road was a ecologically unsound thing to do. When I'm on one of the many mountains in the center of Metro Phoenix, I think of the people like Richard Barker, who had these awe-inspiring visions to develop them into houses and restaurants and hotels. But now I also think of people like Del Seppinen, who made sure that they could stay as majestic as they are naturally. As much as I enjoy this story's mystery, I'm glad there aren't dozens of others like it on our mountains. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to Valley 101. This was our 10th episode. What do you think? 
Tell us by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast app or find us on Twitter at Valley101Pod. And as always, you can tell us your questions at valley101.azcentral.com. If you're liking this show, you can find a lot more about Arizona's history and mystery at azcentral.com. Oh, and some of the music you heard in this episode was from Blue Dot Sessions. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next week.